My name's Iggy, I'm the pastor here at Cooper's Plains Evangelical, so a warm welcome to you if it's your first time with us, and it's great to see all our regular family here to get into God's Word this morning. Uh, today is our second sermon in our We Are CPE series, a, a series focusing on our mission and our vision. Uh, what does it mean for us to be a church? What are we on about? Uh, what are we doing? You know, what's our DNA? That's what we're thinking about through this series And today we're thinking about the second half of our mission statement, which is making disciples. Now, as you talked about discipleship before, uh, we asked that question, what is discipleship? You know, it's a big term, and I think you'll find that any church you go to around this world, well, most churches anyway, would say that discipleship is an important thing. It's really valuable, discipleship. That's what we do here. But I wonder what you think of when you hear that word discipleship. Uh, Many of us will think of something like this. Um, an older Christian sitting down with a younger Christian reading the Bible and helping them to grow, mentoring them um, in their walks. That's what comes to our mind. And this is definitely an important element of discipleship. If we are a church that's on about discipleship and everyone in the church was doing something like this, I'd be pretty happy as a pastor if that was what was going on in our church. But let me tell you something. I think our picture of discipleship if that is what we're thinking of, and that's only what we're thinking of, is far too small. It's far too small. Because discipleship is one of the core themes of Scripture. It is the final command of Jesus Christ that He gives us, and it shapes everything that we do as Christians, as individuals, and as a church. Discipleship is the most important foundational command that we are told to go out with here as we look at Jesus' great commission. And it changes everything, or it should change everything. And today we'll be looking at three points as we think through making disciples. Point one is, what is a disciple? Point two, why disciple-making matters? And point three, we are all disciple-makers. Just to give you a bit of a shape of what we're doing today. Now, as we go go on, uh, the first thing that we're going to look at is, what is a disciple. What is a disciple? We need to define this word first, and we need to look at what Scripture has to say. At, at, the, bare, at the most basic meaning, the word disciple in the original just means a, te- a student. Right? It's a student, someone who learns. That's what a disciple is. And we see, uh, at the bare minimum, this is what uh, Jesus thinks as well. He says this to the Jews in John 8.31. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching... You are really my disciples. So a mark of a true disciple is holding on to the teaching of Jesus Christ. Right? That's the bare minimum, holding on to the teaching of Christ. But when Jesus talks about holding on to my teaching, He isn't just saying, um, learn something from me and just keep it in your head and get some more knowledge, grow in your Bible knowledge. That's not what Jesus is saying here. When Jesus is saying, hold to my teaching, He's saying, learn from me and live that out. Make this teaching a part of your life. Allow it to change everything that you do. That's what true learning is, isn't it? It's not just learning things in your head, but having it actually transform the way you live your life. And that's the sort of teaching that Jesus is talking about with that disciple-teacher relationship. And His teaching, Jesus' teaching, well, that turns the world upside down. It completely transforms your life. Mark 1.15 is Jesus' first words, his first teaching that he brings as he starts his ministry. And hear what he says. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. 
This is the teaching of Jesus Christ. This is His core teaching. This is what He's come to actually tell people, right? Not just to put it into their heads, but to have it actually transform lives. This message, which He calls the good news, the gospel. Um, Friends, I'm not sure if you realize, but if I take you back to the beginning, I'll tell you why this is actually good news. Because when God created us, you know what? He created us to be disciples. Did you realize that? We were created to be students of Him, to be learning from Him as the great teacher. He was the authority. And He's the one that defines what's right and wrong, what's good and bad, how we should live our lives. That was our original relationship as a disciple to a teacher. But that's not how it worked, did it? Because back then in the garden with Adam and Eve, and here today for us now too, we don't like to be told what to do. We don't want to be the students. We don't want to be learning from our teacher, our good and perfect teacher. We decide that we should be the authority and we put ourselves in the place of the one that defines what is good, that defines what is right and wrong, that defines how to live. Friends, that's the problem that we're facing and that's what the Bible calls sin. We were made to be disciples. But we rejected that. And our pride, our pride, it destroys everything. The other day, um, like a good Asian child, my daughter Natasha was doing piano practice. Uh, piano practice. And um, she was playing a song and she's quite, you know, I think she's gifted. I mean, that's what parents think of their kids, right? Uh, I think she's pretty good. But she was making, uh, she played a song, she made a few little errors. And then uh, Li Ching just tried to tell her, oh, Actually, Tash, you need to change that. that you, you, you got a wrong note there. And she got so upset, disproportionately upset, at this little comment. Just, just really, I, I had to take her outside to calm it down. You know, she was so upset. And you know what she said to us? She said, I, said, I asked her, what's wrong, Tash? What's wrong? She said, I don't want you to tell me what to do. I don't want you to tell me what to do. And isn't that the case for all of us. We hate being told what to do. We hate being told that what we're doing is wrong and that we need to change something. We get so defensive when someone points out that we've made a mistake or what we've decided isn't the right thing to do. Isn't that the case? And that's uh, a welling up, an outflowing of our pride, of our sinful hearts. Our hearts which think that we know best and that no one else is to teach us or to tell us what to do. That is the problem, friends. We fail miserably as disciples, even though we were made to be disciples, which is why we need some good news. Jesus comes as the perfect teacher, and he says these words, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come here. Repent and believe the good news. And Jesus is saying here that if you trust in Him, if you turn away from your sin, right, from your life of disobedience where you don't want to listen to Him, but actually come to Him, submit to Him, obey and come back to that relationship that you're always supposed to be in, that disciple-teacher relationship to a good, perfect teacher, then you can come into the kingdom. You can come into the kingdom of God. That perfect, eternal hope You can come out of this life that you're living of 
sin and pride. And you might not even realize you're in it right now. But that's what the Bible says is the situation. And you can come into the hope of the kingdom. Have a look at Colossians 1, 13 to 14 with me. This is a description of what Jesus is talking about. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is the description of the reality of what happens when the gospel comes into your life and you submit to Jesus Christ as your teacher once again. As when you become a disciple of Jesus, here's a little diagram to show you what that looks like. You come out of the dominion of darkness and through Jesus Christ and His work on the cross, His forgiveness that He wins for you, you come into the kingdom of the Son. Right? And this, friends, is what discipleship is. When we're talking discipleship, this is what it looks like from the Bible's point of view. Coming in to be a student of, the, of Jesus Christ. Right? Listening to His words, holding to His teachings, and having that absolutely transform your life. This is discipleship. This is what it looks like. Discipleship is getting into the kingdom of Jesus Christ and then living with Him as your King in the kingdom of the Son. As we learn from Jesus, we are transformed to be more and more like Jesus. This is a core teaching of Jesus. And you can see that this teaching leads us to transformed lives. But let me tell you something. There are costs to this. And the second aspect of being a disciple is not just being a transformed student of Jesus, but actually being a self-sacrificial follower of Jesus Christ. Because disciples, they suffer. Disciples suffer. If you follow a teacher that endured pain and suffering and persecution, then should we expect any less? Or Jesus says no. Matthew 10, and 24 says this, And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. Did you see that? A disciple is not above his teacher. If we follow a suffering king, we will suffer. This is the promise of Jesus Christ. Over and over again, as I prepared for this sermon, as I looked at what discipleship looks like, you know, every time um, in the Gospels when Jesus talks about discipleship, nearly every single time, he links it to suffering. Disciple, suffering. Disciple, persecution. Follow me, disciple, uh, persecution. You know, it's just... It's just part and parcel of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Self-sacrificial following of Jesus. That's what he's saying. And Matthew 16, 24 sums it up like this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Do you know what the cross is? It's a tool of execution. We've lost some of that weight of it. You know, The cross is a symbol of us as Christians, but the only reason it's a symbol for, of our faith is because our king was executed in suffering and pain for us. And Jesus is saying, this is your path. Take up your cross and follow me. And I'm sure most of us who are Christians have heard these verses before, but let me ask you something. Do you believe that this is true? Do you believe it? I know some of us have felt this acutely with rejection from our own families and our friends and it's painful and it hurts. But for many of us, the reality is we don't expect this is going to happen to us because we live in comfort. 
but we need to heed Jesus' words. This is what it means to be a disciple. Do you believe it? That suffering will come. But let me tell you something. This suffering is worth it. It's worth it. Because Jesus promises his disciples eternal joy and eternal life and honor from the Father in the kingdom. All right? So prepare yourself for it. But understand that there is nothing more important than being in the kingdom of the Son for eternity. This is the hope that we have. And this is the hope we are called to share with others as well. And we are point to why disciple-making matters. Jesus Christ has left us with something very important to do here. And we're going to go to the Great Commission on Matthew 28. Starting from verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, to the end of the age. As Jesus is about to leave to heaven forever, you know, or not forever, he's coming back. Or he's about to leave for heaven, leave, leave his disciples on this earth. What is, what's the final things he said to them? Final words, last words on point, right? What's the last thing he tells them to do? Well, go and make disciples. This is his game plan for the rest of the time that this earth will be in existence. This is his agenda. This is what we are to be doing if we're followers of Jesus Christ. But the important thing to ask, and this is a question you should be asking in your life a lot, is Why? When I'm told to do something, why should I do that? Well, if you look at these verses, Jesus gives his reason. And he gives that reason in verse 18. If you look at that verse, Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Did you see that? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, up till now, we've primarily been talking about Jesus as a teacher, you know, a teacher to students. But the reality is that that's far too small a picture of Jesus, isn't it? He's not just a teacher. You see what this verse tells us? He's the king. He's the king. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. He is the one that is in authority. That is the reason we go and make disciples. And if we look at the context of this verse as Cece read to us before, do you know what's happened just before these verses, before he's given that commission? Can you remember what happened? Jesus Christ has risen from the grave. He's risen from the grave. He's defeated death and sin. He's resurrected to life. He's come and come to new life as the king of all eternity. He's defeated the undefeatable enemy. He is the Messiah. He's the Christ. He has the everlasting kingdom that um, the Jews have been waiting for all throughout the Old Testament up till this point. You see, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we see His authority established as the King of the universe who has defeated sin and death forever. Forever. And Jesus Christ, the victorious King, His authority, this is the reason we are called to go and make disciples. His glorious authority drives us out to want more people to come into the kingdom to worship Him as King as He rightfully deserves. That is what drives our disciple-making process. 
So friends, when we're talking about disciple-making, let's not forget something, okay? It's about Jesus. Yes, it's about people. Yes, it's about loving people, going out and you know, telling them the good news and saving people. Yes, that's all true. But primarily, and most importantly, it's about Jesus Christ. We'll revisit our diagram. And this is what disciple-making looks like, right? It's to get people into the kingdom that's what Jesus is calling us to do. That's what he says when he says, um, baptizing them. He says, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, and back in biblical uh, days, baptism and conversion was synonymous. It was one and the same. So Jesus is saying there, just go out there and bring people into the kingdom. So that's the first step of this disciple-making process, to get people into the kingdom. But it doesn't stop there, because Jesus Christ in the Great Commission also says afterwards that, what we're to do is not only baptize them into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but to teach them, teach them everything I've commanded so that they may obey these things. Right? And so the second part is to grow people to be more like Christ, teaching them to obey Christ's command, to live like Jesus, to become and be, be transformed to be more and more like Jesus each day. That's our picture of disciple-making that the Bible gives us, to get people into the kingdom and to grow them to be more like Jesus. Right? But remember, it's ultimately all about Jesus. Because at the end, what do we see? That all the people in the kingdom will be gathered around the throne of Jesus in worship and praise of Him. That's the picture we see in Revelation on the final day, right? All of God's people, multitudes of people, gathering in joyful praise and worship of Jesus Christ to His glory. That's the end goal. That's what we have to keep in mind. It is about Jesus, friends. It's about Jesus. And if we really see Jesus Christ as King and see how good He is, then we should want more people to come in and know Him as King too. All authority has been given to Him and His rule is good and gracious and perfect. We want as many people as we can to know this. That's what Jesus Christ wants for us. Now, friends, they call this part of the Bible the Great Commission. Um, And it's not so much great in the sense of, man, this is a Great Commission. It's fantastic. It is. But when they say Great Commission, they're saying it's huge. It's a big commission. That's what they mean by that. Now, I'm going to get you to do a little activity. So I'm not going to do all the work today. I'm going to get you to do a bit of work. Um, I'm going to get you to talk to your neighbor. Say hello to them if you don't know them already. I want you to talk briefly about what is it about this commission that makes it so big? And there's more than one thing here. All right? So talk to your neighbor and discuss that question for a minute. What is it about this great commission that makes it so big? Okay? Talk to your neighbor for a few minutes and I'll call us together.
Alright, let's come back together. I'm sure you got all the answers now. It's good. Alright, it's important for us to be engaging with the Bible ourselves, right? It's not just about me telling you what I think the Bible says, but let's engage with God's Word. Now, I wonder if you saw why this Great Commission is so big. Now, the first, uh, I guess the easier aspect of this passage to see why it's so big is that who, who is it that we're called to make disciples of? Jesus Christ says, go and make disciples of all nations. All nations. That means that salvation is not limited to just a little small group, a little demographic that um, that's all we have to reach. He's saying every single nation on the face of this earth is to know the good news of Jesus Christ. Every single nation. That means everyone. Everyone. That means your friends. It means your families. It means your neighbors. It means people in remote countries. It means people you don't even like. Your enemies. They are all called to hear this gospel message because we're called to make disciples of everyone. Everyone. That's the first reason this commission is so great, so huge. But I wonder, did you see another reason in there? Uh, Another big reason. In verse 20, what does it say about the extent? How long is this commission going to go for? Well, Jesus Christ says, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. To the end of the age. What's he saying here? This commission is not going to stop. It will not stop in the time that we are here on this earth. It will keep going and going and going and going and going. There will never be a time while we're here on this earth where we can sit back and go, okay, we've done our job. We've made enough disciples now. I think we'll just sit back and wait for Jesus Christ to come. No, he's saying until the end of time, we are to be making disciples continually making disciples. We are not to rest from this work. This commission is huge. All nations until the end of the age. And if we really believe that's true, then that has enormous implications for us as individuals and as a church. Well, point three, we are all disciples makers. We all come to church with a certain picture of what church should be. And sometimes I think we think of our church like this, a luxury yacht. Because we've been so shaped by our culture that we live in, our Aussie culture, which is comfortable and consumeristic and enjoyable. And that shapes the way we view the world that we live in, including our churches. And sometimes I think that we import that picture of culture into church life and we see our church like this, like a luxury yacht, which is supposed to be comfortable on the way to heaven, getting us to our destination. We come to church and we think, um, you know, I'm coming for a comfortable, enjoyable time. I'm coming to spend time with my friends and enjoy that time together. I'm coming, you know what? I've even got my favorite seat that I get to sit in every week. And that's what we think of when we come to church, an enjoyable, comfortable experience. And church is like a luxury yacht, keeping us comfortable on the way to heaven until we get to our final destination. But friends, let me tell you something. I think the picture that Jesus Christ gives is a lot less of a luxury yacht and much more like a lifeboat. Like a lifeboat. Because when you think about it, You think about our situation and where we are. There are 
thousands and thousands of people drowning all around us. That's the reality. Jesus Christ has given us a commission to bring people into the kingdom because millions in this world, thousands just around our church, are perishing without hope. Absolutely no hope at all. And most people, they don't even know it. They don't know it. People want... People... These are people that Jesus wants us to bring into his kingdom and share life with them for eternity. I did some research around the demographics of our church recently. I just looked at six suburbs around this area. So, you know, Sunnybank, Sunnybank Hills, Runcorn, Cooper's Plains, Salisbury, Acacia Ridge. I think just, I just chose six main suburbs around us. And do you know how many people live in those suburbs? 60,000 people. 60,000 people. And statistically, uh, as we look at those people, most of those people do not have the hope of Jesus Christ in their life. Most of those people are perishing. Most of those people are drowning. Yet we here as a church, we have the hope that can save them. We are a lifeboat that we can pull people on, rescue into our family to take them to that final destination of the kingdom on that final day. There are tens of thousands of people perishing around us, friends, which is why we cannot sit still and be content. That's what the Great Commission drives us to, a commission that never ends, a commission that is huge, a commission that calls us to make disciples of all nations. We need to take action. And let me tell you something. If we do that, it will be uncomfortable. It will be uncomfortable. Um... When the Titanic sank, people, there was thousands and thousands of people um, who were in the water, drowning, or on the boat um, with you know, nowhere to go. Um, and there was people there that were in charge of the lifeboats to get them going, to get people onto the lifeboats. Um, it didn't really work that well, uh, but they got some people on. Uh, it wasn't really organized, but I just want you to imagine, you know, but the lifeboat captains were intent on saving as many as they could. Okay? Let's, that was really clear. They were trying to save as many as they could. But I want you to imagine that instead of that aim of saving as many as they could, they were just concerned with the comfort of the passengers on their lifeboat. Can you imagine if that, that was the case? They would have launched the lifeboats half full, maybe, so there's enough room and everyone's comfortable. Uh, they wouldn't of, uh, they would have made sure everyone on the lifeboat was familiar with each other so they could have some good conversation and wouldn't be awkward. Uh, they would have limited the amount of people on the lifeboats so that everyone could have their personal needs met by the captain of the lifeboat. They would have, if someone outside of the group wanted to get on board the lifeboat, they would have said, no, you can't because we don't really know you that well. It would be a bit uncomfortable. It sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? That's absolutely ridiculous. But friends, oftentimes that's how we treat our church. We are a lifeboat with the hope of the world here where we can actually save people. And we need to be driven by that goal of making as many disciples as we can, even if it means it's going to be uncomfortable because we have a hope that people need. So friends, we need to shift our thinking from luxury yacht to lifeboat, to save as many as we can in obedience and 
to Jesus, his great commission. We're moving into a new stage in the life of our church and the leadership uh, are really focused on this goal of making as many disciples as we can, saving as many disciples as we can, bringing them into the kingdom. For too long, I think we've been a bit too content and comfortable here as a church. You know, we give thanks, the leadership and I give thanks for each and every single one of you. And we love the way that God's brought us into a family together. But we really want to move us into a next stage of actually being focused on what Jesus has given us. And Jesus says we can't be content. It's time to get out of our comfort zones, to shift our mentality, because we've got a big job ahead of us, a huge job. Friends, there's urgency in this task of making disciples for Jesus Christ. Right, of getting people into the kingdom and growing them to be more like Christ. There's urgency in this. And everything we do as a church um, is focused on this task of disciple-making. We want to focus it even more. Right? If it's not about disciple-making, then we're not going to do it. Right? Everything we do, our preaching, our life groups, our music, all those things, our Sunday school, our Life Explored course, our newish course, our one-to-one meetups, our training courses, our welcoming teams, everything we do has to be centered on this mission of making disciples because this is the most important thing that Jesus Christ has left us to do. There's nothing more important. It's about getting people into the kingdom and growing them to be more like Christ so that in the end, there'll be a multitude of people worshipping Jesus on that final day in eternity. As I'm saying this, uh, if you're not a Christian and you're here today, and you're um, visiting us, learning about Jesus, fantastic that you're here, but you're probably thinking to yourself, so you're telling me that what Christians are trying to do is convert me, all right? You just want to convert me. You're telling me I'm drowning, uh, I need hope, and I need to come into this kingdom. That's the only hope I have. Well, yes, that's what I want to say. Yes. And I'm not ashamed to be explicit about this aim for the church, because that's what Jesus Christ has left us. Yes, we are seeking, if you're not a Christian yet, we are seeking to help you know Christ. But not just because we want to grow numbers or anything like that, because this is what we believe is real hope, real joy, eternal life with your King, Christ in heaven, with the perfect good King shared with your brothers and sisters. This is what we believe is the best thing, the best news in the world. And we tell these things to you not because uh, we just want to grow more numbers, but because we do care. If we didn't care, we wouldn't bother. This is an expression of our love for you because Christ loved us, and this is what we want to show the world to bring more and more and more into the kingdom. Friends, Jesus Christ has left each and every one of us who calls himself their disciple here on this earth for a reason. All right? And it isn't to uh, be students of ourselves or students of the world or students of money, students of the things around us. It's to be students of Him, obediently bringing more and more people into the kingdom. That's a task left for each and every one of you as individuals. So if you're a disciple of Jesus, you know, and there's some implications for you, yeah. Number one, if, if you really believe in the mission of our church and what we're doing here, then I'd encourage you to get involved. Yeah? Are, are there ways that you can use your gifts, your time, and your energy to invest into the life of the church, to actually be serving in the church to help this mission of making disciples happen? Have you thought about that? If that's something you're interested in doing, 
then please contact me. My email's in the bulletin. You can have a chat to me later. I'd love to find a place where you can be serving, helping us make disciples of all nations. But, you know, rather than the formal stuff, you know, that, that's important. But more importantly, what we're called to is to each and every day of our lives be making disciples. Whether it's in church or outside of church. It doesn't have to be on a roster. Our call is to make disciples. You might be thinking, well, disciple making, that's not for me. That's just for the leaders. That's just for the pastor. You know? Well, it's time to shift our thinking because Jesus Christ's commission is for everyone. Every single person. We are trying to get people into the kingdom and get them to know to be more like Christ. But as, as we do that, something I want you to think about is the fact that you don't have to be this amazing evangelist. Right? You don't have to be this hugely gifted preacher. You don't have to have all the answers. You know what we're called to when we're called to disciple-making? We're just called to help people move step-by-step step along that journey. Step-by-step. Step, one step at a time to the right. One step at a time towards Jesus Christ. That's all we're called to. Right? We're not called to convert everyone on the spot to bring them into the kingdom. We're just called to help them take one step closer. And let me give you some examples of this. Let's change our picture of discipleship. Discipleship, this is discipleship, saying hello to your non-Christian neighbor who lives next door. You know, getting to know them and asking them about you know, what they believe in and how they live their life so that maybe one day you can have a conversation with them about Jesus. That's discipleship. Discipleship is coming to church on time so you can talk to other people and encourage them. Discipleship is sharing a Bible verse that's encouraged you with someone after church. Discipleship is praying for a work friend or a non-Christian friend somewhere. Just praying for them and then one day plucking up the courage to invite them to church. That's discipleship. Discipleship is rearranging your work schedule so you can be serving, uh, maybe doing religious instruction at school or helping out in some church event. Discipleship is being regularly present in a life group. So that just by your very presence, you can be encouraging those around you. And then you can contribute and encourage the conversation. Discipleship is praying for a friend who's struggling and pointing them towards a verse of the Bible that gives them comfort. Friends, all of these things are discipleship, do you see? It's all the little things that matter. We might think that we can't make a big impact on this huge task of making disciples for the kingdom of Christ. Yeah? Disciples for, until the end of time. We might think we can't make a dent in that, but it's each and every little thing that matters. That's why Christ has left you here. You all, have, all as individuals, each person, can make a difference to the Great Commission. You can all make a difference. Every single one of you. So what can you do to be making disciples today? What can you do this week to be making disciples today? What conversations can you have? What prayers can you be praying? What steps can you take to just help someone else take one step closer to Christ? Just one step. If we all do that and pitch in, who knows what we'll do for the sake of the kingdom? Brothers and sisters, we've been given a message of hope. That's, it's the hope of the world, the only hope of the world. That there is eternal hope and eternal life in the kingdom of God. And that is available for all those who trust in Jesus Christ as their king. That message, as we go out there and we try and get people in the kingdom, 
and grow them to be more like Christ. That message transforms the world. If we really believe that, then that will transform our lives. What can you do to be part of this great commission? If we really let Jesus' words and his teaching shape our life, if we really obey our teacher as disciples of Jesus, if we let the Great Commission be the centre and transform all that we do, who knows what God will do through this church? Who knows? Let me pray. Father God, we, we give you thanks for the fact that Christ has come and that he is the victorious king with all authority, that he rules this world and that he invites us to be part of this kingdom, this perfect, good and just kingdom for eternity. And we have been given an important task, we know, Father, and we forgive us for the times that we haven't, we haven't uh, thought about this at all and we've been so distracted by the things of the world. But we pray, Father, for each and every one of us as individuals and each and all of us as part of a church too, that this Great Commission will transform our lives so that all we do may be centred on the task of getting people into the kingdom and growing them to be more like Christ because that, Father, brings you and your Son great glory. So, Father, give us the focus, give us the perseverance and help us be seeking your glory and not ours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.